0: Normally don't like starting the show with uh, angry kind of news, but, um, you know, it's weird times, so let's roll with it. Deloy Hansen, the owner of RSL, is furloughing front office staff and cutting pay. Um, He's a man who's worth billions of dollars and has enough liquidity to buy several very expensive rare coins, but he's cutting his staff's pay during this awful time and i for one am not very happy about it
1: so adam i have something to tell you i was doing a quick <laughs> google about uh del Loy hansen and his rare coins and i found a rare coin enthusiast forum on the internet sure. because of course there's there's a niche for everything and uh, apparently the rare coin nerds on the internet think that Deloy Hansen's coins while expensive are actually shitty rare coins and shouldn't be worth that much money. And so not only is he spending his money on these, apparently he is just buying shitty rare coins that aren't actually that rare.
0: Well, at this point I hope that he can only sell them for a loss. Um, Cause I- I,
2: one of them was a dime, a dime is worth 10 cents guys. <laughs> um I feel like someone should have like pulled him aside and be like, dude, you, this money needs to go to other places. Uh, You can have a dime pretty much whenever you need one. Uh, They're not hard to come by. They're very easy to get a hold of. Um, Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know how you end up in this, this sort of racket. Uh, I assume that this, that that sort of the world that that's, it's just a racket in my mind, all of it.
0: Yeah. He's, he's like the, the cartoon version of Bill Gates on the Simpsons. When he goes and buys out Homer's tech startup by smashing it to to bits. He's like, I didn't get rich by paying money for things. <laughs> um, that's that's Deloy Hansen right now. Anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com. There is no new DC United things to talk about. Uh, that was bad grammar. So instead... <laughs> We invited some old friends of ours on for a little Capital Soccer Show reunion: Sebastian Salazar from ESPN, Greg Roach from DC One Hundred One, and the Pitch Patch Pitch Pass Podcast. Welcome back, guys!
3: What's going on, Roach? How you doing? Last time we hung out, well, I mean, the last time we hung out was at Your Cool Studio, but before that, in the bowels of RFK. Man, can you been? it's, It's like eight years ago
4: i can't even believe it and uh i'm so glad and I'm, I'm thankful that these guys invited us on for the uh oral history of the Capitol soccer show uh edition of filibuster uh let's start from the beginning it was oh no it's not that is that what we're doing that's not what I, we're doing, i mean man. we can call we it should tell the, the mean-
3: behind the scenes story of the paul cannell episode remember that guy
4: oh my god that guy was insane uh. <laughs> We will let you, you guys, guys go have, wherever you want with them. working. I would show you. I, I literally have the book here in my in my office. Ah
3: uh, I have like a roach, I don't know if you can see it, but I have like a fake I have this fake studio that I'm having set up right now. And I have these books that I definitely don't read. I wish that book was was in here. I read it in like ten seconds. It was one of those like, you know, you flip through it, great short stories. Something, something, fucking hell! It's Paul Cannell or something, right? Yeah. That's the name yeah. of the book,
4: by the way. The name of the yeah, book is yeah. fucking hell. That's it's Paul the only Cannell. reason I
3: swore. I I was just wanted to journalistically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get it right.
4: By the way, what's up? Yeah. Uh, did you notice Sebby's um, Adam Schefter esque background? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's put there a whole fake background behind you. I love it, dude. Listen, I'm, I'll tell the story. I was I was kind of t-
3: telling them before. So, like, I was moving when all this stuff happened. And I had nothing here. And they're like, hey, build a studio in your house. Um, So I just, I like, I had to steal a a bookshelf from my parents. There's like a foam soccer ball back here.
0: Not even a real soccer ball.
3: We got a few things. We got a few things laying around just in case. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Oh, man. Just in case. Those things are real. The book's here. And this, but, you know, I can't even, I can barely hang a picture. I'm so not handy. So this took me like four days. Uh, I love it I love but now it I'm going it, live from my second bedroom.
4: I love it that Ben looks like I I like I need NVGs to see him. Like he's literally <laughs> coming out of the darkness in some horror movie and Sebby is lit like it's a freaking model shoot at, at Fashion Week in New York City. He's so lit
0: i so used to being on television. He's doing visual gags These on the, the podcast. Li- no, literally the when, lights. When we all reacted, by the way, oh, that yeah. was an Emmy he held up. Oh yeah,
3: sorry, I forgot. I just I see us in the in the in the boxes. Yeah, it's
0: a regional Emmy. It's a regional.
3: Emmy. That's not that impressive. It's not a big deal, so. oh, by the man. way, I didn't win that Emmy until after I'd worked with Roach.
4: Yeah, exactly. And I'll take I all credit. <laughs> Dude, we totally we've totally hijacked this podcast. Adam, so, please take the wheel.
0: <laughs> I mean, so, if you want to do oral history, I will say that in in what was it February 2012? It was a Saturday that that Jason and I got together at the table where I'm sitting right now, and Ben and Martin were remote, and we uh, we got on Skype and we recorded the first episode of filibuster. I put it together. I was I was producing early on and put it out in the world on Sunday, and on Monday. At the time, the only other podcast was United Mania. And then on Monday, out of the blue, with no warning, comes this official <laughs> podcast of DC United, starring two media professionals who I adore. And I just like threw my phone in the air uh, and didn't bother catching. I was like, and this is wonderful. Trey, but who's and
3: still terrible. broadcasting? Who's still broadcasting? Exactly. exactly, Exactly.
1: This is episode 396.
3: There you go. There you go. I think roads we might have made. Do we make it to no. fifty?
4: Oh, no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Thirty, not. Adam, for makes you feel any better. Um, I have a similar experience with Sebi. He will come on my podcast. I will release the episode an hour later, and an hour after that, he'll drop some sort of bombshell that he could have easily said two hours before that on the podcast, <laughs> and he never did. Wait, is there an is, is there an example I'm missing that I, I'm, that I'm not know, thinking of? Although you know, you know who's good for that was is Pablo. Pablo will did uh, that. Too yeah,
3: every- I mean. Episode. To be fair, we got to, we got to feed them, you know, the, the hand, take care of the hand that feeds us, you know? It's I got you. I got you. It's just, it's a, it's a knife in
4: the heart is what it
3: is. I used to do a lot of hot takes and stuff on Twitter. And then I A, I started getting in trouble for it and then B, <laughs> and, but B also, I figured, well, I'll just put it on, you know, behind the paywall and then the company. Gets exactly. And they got to go then, get it. Pay, pay to yeah. get my
4: content.
0: That's right. Yeah. There you go. It's a content driven world guys. Uh, in, in that sense, we, uh, we, we, did some brainstorming before the show to come up with ideas for content, and one of them was our favorite DC United jerseys. We're going to have it out now. DC United recently had a Twitter bracket poll to uh, to determine the the best jersey in team's history. We're going to disregard that and pretend it didn't happen, and just have our own argument about it. Uh, since you guys are guests, uh, Sebi Roach. Yes, and forgetting
1: our most f- consistent segment. I really
0: segment? am. I can't believe I did that. I was so distracted by the the, uh,
3: the Emmy railroad. I was going to say the railroading
0: of the show, but uh, the <laughs> Emmy. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, that I almost neglected our our great tradition here, uh, and uh, I was going to start with the guests. I'll start with the guests here. Sebastian, what are you drinking?
3: Uh, I don't. It's it's uh, a an, an iced green tea that my wife makes which will definitely keep me up late tonight. So it, it's not the, uh, or the shandy I think I had on last time. that was like terrible and skunked, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it'll get the job
0: done. All right, Roach, what are you drinking? That's an awful
4: choice, by the way. Uh, so. <laughs> I just
3: moved. I can't go to any supermarkets. There's no supermarkets. beer. What do you want
4: from me? <laughs> That's an awful choice. I, uh, it is National Beer Day as we record this. So I am trying a beer that I've never had before. It's from Black Flag. Uh, my neighbors also own beers and cheers, which is in Gaithersburg collabed on this. It's called cheaper than therapy, uh, because sometimes drinking good beer with friends is cheaper than therapy. It's a hazy IPA. I've never had it before. Uh, it is, it is tasty. So that's what I'm drinking.
0: Nice. I I am a big fan of that style. Had I known it was national beer day, I would have made sure to get something delivered because I'm out of beer at the moment. So I am drinking a mezcal Ricky. Um, which is pretty nice and refreshing for a spring day. So, I'm sorry, are those
4: words that mean something? <laughs> I don't even know what what is.
3: Dude, if you got to explain your drink,
0: if you got to explain Seriously. your drink, it, have you heard, heard of he mezcal? Have you heard of mezcal?
4: No, none of those words mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> mezcal
0: it's a popular right. spirit. It's made from agave. It's uh, they they basically. Uh, smolder the cactus to release the sugars and then ferment it. So it's very smoky even though it's a clear liquor uh, from Mexico. And I made a Ricky with it, which is just mixing it with half a lime and club soda. And any listener to the show will know what a Ricky is, I promise. Because we've mm-hmm. had a million of them on this show. All right.
4: All right. Was that satisfactory? It was fine. L- L- Sebby and I <laughs> rolled our eyes. Couldn't roll our eyes hard enough at this. Go ahead. <laughs> ben, what are you drinking?
1: I'm also out of beer, so uh, I'm making do with a uh, bourbon and Sprite, because that's that's what we got.
4: Roach, bourbon do you need any Sprite. explanation on that? No, that one is that's an, he's a, he's a true American patriot, and that's why <laughs> he's making bourbon <laughs> and Sprite, and so I appreciate that. Jason, bring us home.
2: Uh, I am, I am also out of beer, and <laughs> I've been Not putting off going to get beer. <laughs> uh, I've been putting off going to get anything. Uh, So I'm getting into some real weird territory as far as food and drink. Um, It's a lot of like, what can these things do together? Um, But with liquor, it's a little easier. So I'm rationing the liquor. So I'm kind of mixing in stuff that I don't often drink. Um, So tonight I've got a college classic. Uh, I've got a a vanilla vodka and Coke Um, for nostalgia's sake. uh, It's not a respectable drink. Uh, unless you're 22. Uh, but, you know, my birthday's in a couple of weeks and I, I'm trying to pretend that it's not. So it's time to pretend I'm 22.
0: All right. Now into the actual content. Uh, best DC United jersey in 24 years, well, 23 years in two games of uh, DC United. Who wants to go first? Who has who has wants to, to kick it off? Ooh, Adam, I think your math I, is wrong. I, yeah, it's it's very very wrong.
2: wrong. I think it's very 20- yeah, you're, wrong. You're off by a
0: year. You shorted the team a year. No, they have played. This is the 25th year. Right. You said We're going to do this debate.
2: Yeah. Is it the 24th year right. or your right.
4: 25th right.
0: year? <laughs> Four years and two games. You're right. I shorted the team by a year. Yes. Thank you, Matthew.
4: Too much. Uh, too much Mez, uh, uh Ricky. Ricky. Too much. Ricky. Mystery drink. <laughs>
0: All right, Ben. What's your favorite DC United jersey?
1: Well, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, the two that I have, just because they're the ones I like the most. Um, the first DC United jersey I ever got was the 2013 third jersey, the red jersey. Ooh, uh, which I love the 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 style of it. Uh, except the one, the particular one I have is cursed. Uh, I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I'll just remind people. Uh, I got a uh, 13 Pontius uh, jersey uh, and the first time I ever wore it, I got it for my birthday so I got it in August, it was a little late so I didn't get to wear it until September and then the first time I wore it Chris Pontius broke his leg Ooh. and was out the rest of the season so it is a cursed jersey, but I, I love the look of that one, and then the other one I have is the 1999 through 2001 third jersey which is kind of similar to the cat in the hat. It's not the same. It doesn't have the blue, but it's kind of similar styled. And I won that on a Twitter contest from the club. Uh, but it's, it's so weird and odd looking that I, I have a fond, fond place in my heart for it.
2: That, that was the one where they, they had a third Jersey that was also predominantly black. Yeah. Um, so they yeah. had a, a, the normal black home and then a white away and then a black third Jersey. Um I don't maybe we didn't know at the time what to do with third jerseys. Like, well, what if it looks a lot like the first one? Like, that sounds good to me. Let's do it. You know, it was a random shirt though.
0: was around the year two thousand, maybe they thought that Y two K was gonna take out the primary black jersey <laughs> and they wanted to have a backup. <laughs> I think that's how technology works. Uh Roach, favorite jersey. Oh.
4: Oh, oh, I was hoping to hear a couple more can i can I kick mine to the to like two more down the road we'll we'll come back and you'll order okay, last
0: back. sebby
3: so I've been thinking about it like I think the jersey that I most think of when I think of d c United is the first black with the three white stripes i think because I think of like Marco etcheverry in that jersey like if you ask me the first thing I think of it's him in that jersey, but my personal favorite is the opposite of that. Is the white with the is the white version of that with the stripes? But they across. won MLS Cup in. Yep, exactly. That like old heavy, like basically hockey <laughs> jersey. My dad still has that '96 one. He still you know wears it to the stadium when he goes. And um, and so I think for me, I just like I've all that white one has just always. I've always liked it, even though I don't think it's the one people think of from, like, the the original years. And then I I will also say this on the red. There was, um, in 2011, there was a game where Andy Nahar scored a banger from, like, 100 yards away against Philly in what was a, like, red card against cancer game. Anybody remember that? Mm -hmm. And they were all reds. And I loved, I loved, I loved, I loved that, like, all red and that color of it. it was a very bright, very, like, you know, intense, uh, almost light red. Um, but I, I, the, the the original kits I think you have to talk about because those are the the iconics. Oh, yeah. But I, I love some of the, the third kits over the years. And that, that red one, um, like an all red DC United to me is just like, I love that as, as the base of a third kit.
0: Uh, my My first jersey was the thumbprint which always looked silly, but kind of wonderful to me. Uh, it was the, the 06, 07 home jersey that had the, it still had the three white stripes, but it also had this kind of white shaping around it. And it just looked like a thumbprint. Um, mm. And I, I love
4: that one just because it's what they wore when I first became oh, a fan. I know th- that's the one that and it's got the, uh, it's got the pipping along the sides too. Like mm-hmm. like not all sides, but like if, if you went around your pecs, it would, exactly. get the white would go down the side as well. Yeah. Exactly. Also, was it was mesh on the side as well. Like see-through mesh. Yeah.
0: It was, it was a weird shirt, uh, but it's <laughs> what they wore. And I, I have one of the, um, the replicas, which didn't have the mesh. Um, thankfully, because that would have been a terrible look for me. My all time well, favorite. though. Cl- oh, go ahead.
4: The club, the club gave me uh, a Jersey that year. Uh, so I have the, uh, I it's the, it's the game Jersey that they have. Oh. Um, you know it's, it's no big deal guys i don't want to dwell on this <laughs> longer than we have to uh but unfortunately and this is this is the this is the downside of working at the radio station i work at when when teams do give you a jersey they put your name on the back and what number do you get 101 101, get 101. 101. the the uh-huh. one of the most famous jersey in all of sports <laughs> 101 <laughs> So that's what it's it's got it's got eighteen on the front because of because uh, Ramondo gave it to me. But on the back it says Roach one hundred and one, which is fantastic.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, you got teams down in Mexico that rock three digit numbers. <laughs> yeah, True.
2: Dude. True. The so Academy me, kids. The, Those are the Academy yeah, kids. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, two forty
0: sevens. Give it a couple years after the the post Liga MX East MLS merger, we'll have three digit numbers on the field. Why did you guys,
3: why did you guys choose jerseys for this edition? Cause I, I do feel like I've seen a million old DC United jerseys in the last like two weeks. Cause every piece of content right now is like
0: throwback. Yeah. That's, that's why. Cause same reason as everyone else. Number one, yeah. we thought you would have good opinions on jerseys. Cause you've been around like Jason has.
2: We, we have been kind of kicking the idea around anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's been like bubbling in the background for us for not just the podcast but for the site so um that's a spoiler for like 2 weeks from now um but yeah we've been we've been, it's been on our minds um the team did their like jersey bracket uh as well which I feel like I put my thumb pretty heavily on the scale uh for, for my answer <laughs> to this question um because I saw that it uh, it was losing uh and I was just was unacceptable to me um for me Um, I had the, the poster I had on my wall for DC United in the nineties was a Marco Etcheverry poster from 1998. It's the white with the stripes down, uh, the one side, um, Mm. vertical stripes, not horizontal. Um, The, the, the poster said El Diablo. He had the white predators on, um, which, uh, I I was tweeting about a couple days ago because, uh, in the, or no, not a couple days ago, yesterday, um, we're recording this on a Tuesday well yeah exactly um but no that the first ever dc united game uh if you look at the photo if you look at the shoes which if you're like me you do that immediately um uh Etcheverry is wearing like blacked out copa mundials with the tag removed off of the tongue so there's nothing identifying on them um but soon some at some point thereafter he started wearing the predator uh jeff agus was wearing the predator so it wasn't that he they weren't around um But he switched it up and eventually became like, if you asked, you know, fans that were paying attention to the league at all, who wears the Predator? It's Marco It's That's the guy. Um, And once they started making them in white, then that really became his like, that was like the trademark. And that poster, that jersey, um, that jersey was also comfortable, um, which I think is under an underrated quality. It had this like, um, like a T-shirt fabric kind of uh, collar. Um, so for a collar that that's going to be rubbing up against your neck in like July at RFK, you want something that's at least like not going to give you a rash or be abrasive in any way. Um, yeah, I I thought that Jersey was awesome. Um, it had like the embossed, um, logo, like a big embossed logo covering basically the entire pattern of the shirt. Um, that one, that one was awesome. I, I think the team should look into like, a uh, bringing that back the next time they have an away Jersey to replace, which I believe is next year. Mm -hmm. um they can swap out the uh the white with gray and and do a a real throwback that it's got the three stripes which everyone wants but it doesn't it doesn't get in the way of your uh, sponsor logo i think it's the best of both worlds i think everyone could be happy with it and i'm going to be very disappointed when i don't get my way (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, i mentioned the thumbprint my actual favorite though is Mm -hmm. uh as much for off-field reasons as the way it looks and that's the the taxation without representation, DC vote yeah. partnership with the, mm-hmm. the red stripes down the sides. Uh, I'm a sucker for red stripes, even though I know white is traditional for, for DC United's home kits. I, the red just looks really good to me. Um, and then the cause is, is near and dear to my heart. So that one will, will always be up there. And I, I managed to get a statehood 51 uh, customization with the last of the American flag numbers they had that year uh because i had saved off getting it personalized so that i could see what the specialty numbers were and they were american flags i was like i have to do this and and managed to get i think the last number one in existence at rfk at the time so that that jersey will always and forever be my favorite
3: one more comment on jerseys long sleeves forever especially in a place like dc where it's cold i mean like half the year it's either the beginning part of the season is cold or the end of the season is cold I love long sleeve uniforms. Anything with long again, right? sleeves, I will buy. Take they're making
4: money. them again though, aren't they? Aren't they making yeah, them yeah. a few
3: teams? Remember last year you couldn't get one and it yeah. was. Yeah. One. I
4: yeah. think
0: there's only like three or five teams that that had long sleeves and MLS for this year. Yeah, for sale, hopefully yeah. they expand it. I've th- there have been rumors they're gonna bring back third jerseys for some teams too. So uh, hopefully that's the case. Roach, have you have you
4: made your decision? Yeah man, and I th- I've thought about this a long time. Um
1: <laughs>
4: It's got to be the Wayne Rooney's from last year, doesn't it? I mean, they're they're iconic and everybody loves Wayne Rooney. I'm kidding. Jeez.
0: Wow, <laughs> <I'm> just looking <laughs> at Sebi's face right now. <laughs>
4: wow. You know what? Here's the sad thing. My actual answer is probably more trash than that answer, but it's, <laughs> it's like everybody has said it's for me it's it's sentimental reasons. Although before I tell you, I will I will say this: I think this year's jersey has a shot to be something special. Twenty years from now, when we look back on it, this this year's jersey is really sharp.
2: Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good.
4: Do you All
3: think right. so, though? When it looks like everything else, do you still think that? If it in a vacuum, I get what you're saying. But right. in twenty years, when we look back at it, and then you're like, "Oh, what did the galaxies look like that year? And what did the Timbers well, look like that year?"
2: What do w- we think about that, though? Like, I personally am probably just not going to care about the other teams.
4: Yeah, I also think all the, all the other clubs will will evolve into something else where the, the three stripes and and the black and the red axe like that those were all things that we from have the look back over twenty five years ago. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think my well my Inter Miami probably will because it's their first jersey. But I mean, I don't know if the Dynamo are going to be remembering this jersey twenty years from now. Sorry, Seth, I think there's me. only two or
0: three teams that this template looks really good on and makes a lot of sense on. And this uh, is one of them. And we're one of them. We're yeah 1A on that list.
4: So my answer is, and I have to say, just give a smidge of backstory. So I was in Philadelphia when the league launched. That's where I was born and raised. And I could have chosen either club, uh, the Metro Stars or, the, or DC United, because you, I'm basically the same distance from both. Um, I ended up getting tickets, actually went to rec.soccer.sports, rec.sports, the Usenet group. Uh, Thanks, Ben, for nerding out with me. Appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) And I said, I'm from Philly. Who should I root for? And tried to get a little banter going between DC and and New York, New Jersey people. Um, But I actually did go to a United match the first season. Uh, Richie Williams is who popped for me the first in the, the match that I saw. Um, But after that, I didn't go and think about DC United again until I moved down here in 2001. Um, But really, it was it was the 4 team that solidified my my love of the club. And that that jersey is awful. I mean, it is absolutely (laughs) awful. And I have it and it sucks. And (laughs) the logo is is in the center and Mm -hmm. it. I've washed it one too many times, so it's it literally feels it looks like shrink wrap on my chest now, like it's crumbled <laughs> up on, on the jersey. It's got the mesh on each side, but white underneath of it. Mm-hmm. It's just a crap, t- and it's really heavy. Like it's extremely. It's like wearing a wool sweater, which is awesome to wear in a, an August match in DC. Yep. But I was at the semifinal match. I watched at Lucky Bar the final, and that club is is very very special to me. So uh, that's that's my favorite jersey. Even though no one would ever vote for it in any best jersey of United, but it's it's a special place for me.
3: All I took from that is that of all the players on 1996 DC United, the one that stood out to you <laughs> was Richie Williams.
4: Yeah, I know. Not Atchugarry,
3: not Diaz, Arce, not Moreno, not Harkes. Was Richie Williams. Is Sebby. that the most hipster thing I've ever heard in my life?
0: <laughs> oh, <no>. Roach's been <laughs> Actually, consistent on that, though, because when DC United had their swoop a couple of years ago, you can be consistent, ago, but
3: you're wrong. And, got <laughs>
0: <in is> <laughs> and a whole bunch of others. Who's the one guy that Roach latched onto right away? Richie Wood. Russell Canals.
3: Russell <laughs> thing. It's right. the position. It's the position, <laughs> then. He, doesn't, he can't look He's at not. any other
0: part of the field.
4: <laughs> you say hipster. I say this is like this is the most red-blooded american take ever like you've got you've got you've got stars you've got international stars you've got american stars and i'm latching on to the lunch pail hard-working gritty guy you know what i love the way that guy works man it's not about talent it's about how hard you work that's me yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's
0: heavy. yeah all right, right. Sure. yeah 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 I think this this describes your guys' relationship as, as well as any interaction I've ever witnessed. Um, and we're going to have more of those interactions when we come back. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh to assert your rights in that situation whether a boss mistreated you you were fired unfairly uh or 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 something worse happens ben in the district of columbia and northern virginia you know who to call right
1: yeah you called the Ehrlich law office because you have rights
0: that's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or, or Something to to that effect. If you uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to EhrlichLawOffice dot slash filibuster.
4: Welcome back to the Capital Soccer Show. My name Roach uh, Sebastian Salazar. We are in the bowels of RFK for this episode. Uh, um, Greg, wake up. Wake up, Greg. It's time to go to school. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I had a Branko-Boscovich hot take that I was ready to <laughs> oh. <laughs> luxury player. Luxurious.
1: <laughs> we still miss him on this podcast.
3: Dude, my hair right now, you guys can't see it. My hair I haven't been able to get a haircut in weeks. My hair is getting to Boscovich lengths. Yeah. Looks- do you have uh, uh, no a
4: get- do you have the I leather jacket? Felt-
3: I, I like, don't have. I'm not the fonz.
4: Yeah. <laughs> hey, Tebby, I'm who was the uh, who was the most random guest we had on that that show
3: on the on the Capital Soccer? Show. I mean, it had to be Paul Canal. I know we already mentioned him, but um, who else? Oh, you know it's a you know it's a random Capital Soccer show memory. I work with Hercules Gomez a lot now, right? Like all nope. the time. The first time I met him. Uh, roach it was you and i doing an interview with him at the w In the yep when the u.s was about to play brazil that year in a friendly at fedex and actually it's yep. so funny um just the other day yesterday i think maybe it was uh last week we recorded a segment and they were like you know, we did like what his favorite game of his career was and he picked that game really yeah because oh, wow. he scored against brazil they lost 4-1 to but he scored scored. Um yeah, I knew, yeah. I knew as
4: soon as as soon as we walked into that, I was like, oh, I walked out going, that guy's gonna be an analyst as soon as he retires. Like you he know just had yeah. so It's so much personality. It was
3: great. It's so funny. I th- I think I think we said that to each other on the way out. Because yep. I remember being like, wow, that dude's bilingual and knows both leagues. Like he'll get work. He's polished. And, um and and sure enough, like yeah, yeah. I just uh, and- he wasn't the most random. That was a that was a pretty. But we had. I'm trying to think who was random that we
4: had. I don't know, man. It's funny because I, I I walked out thinking the same thing about you. He's bilingual and knows both. <laughs> leagues. I didn't get work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Touche. No, hey, uh, Adam, can, can we get into the um? Because I, I I think the second segment we were gonna do is we were all gonna do our, Kristen press. What are you doing, Paul? And <laughs> are we going to judge it to see who who did it best? Is, is <laughs> oh. are you doing that now or is that third segment?
0: What is uh, that? that? That's later. I was actually going to ambush you a little bit. Uh, go oh. back a little further than the Capital Soccer Show. Oh,
3: I like this. I like a good ambush. I, I
0: I my missed style of, of journalism. Because I had just moved to D.C. in 2006. But there was something called Water Wars.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um and that uh that really that kind of solidified my friendship with Nick Ramondo that has since crumbled to the ground. But at the time it was uh it was it was just amazing that a guy who was a professional athlete would be that invested in a stupid radio bit. And at the time I was working at night, which is probably the least glamorous of all the the positions on a radio station. And so for him to not only say yes, but to be super invested in what was going on was i mean it was it was fantastic and it just you know it shows what kind of guy nick is and he's he's just up for anything and is always down for a good time
0: for people who don't know what it was tell us about oh, this yeah. manhunt.
4: <laughs> so yeah that's basically what it was we <laughs> recruited 30 listeners and gave them water guns <laughs> and had them uh by the way, never would fly in 2020. Just, uh, oh, yeah. just. <laughs> and, uh, so we gave, we gave, uh, so if you had 30 people, you would only be hunting one person. And so you would get their dossier, which had their address of their work and their home, males and females again, wouldn't fly in 2020. And then their, their job was to then go and hunt. Now, meanwhile, the person you were hunting was also hunting their person. So it wasn't just a matter of they would be at one place. So anyway, if you sh- if you shot them with a water gun, they would hand over their targets and then you'd have to go hunting them. So it came down to three people. And so we were like, we've got to get somebody like a common target at this point. And I, I reached out to the club and and Ramondo said, yeah, I'll be the I'll be the guy gave us his home address. <laughs> so next thing you know, we've got three people hanging out in Annandale uh, in a in a family neighborhood hunting Nick Ramondo, and Nick great guy that he is was like sneaking out the back door or like having somebody like run out looking like him to the car and then he'd go out another way he was actually hunting them and would stalk them so he he really got into it which was insane more insane than the actual water war so yeah that was just that was really really fun so thank you for bringing that up that was back in the day (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh can i uh, i i was on the other side of this i wasn't in this at all uh but when it came out i think it came out through the dc sports Blog. that yes. um there was by the way i'm going gonna take to be... credit for it. I'm gonna take credit for that
4: he is now yeah. one of the most respected people in dc journalism Sebby, you can confirm or deny that this put him on the map it was <laughs> it was a big year for the sports bog. It was. It was a perfect year to launch the bog.
3: Is that is that when it launched around around Waterworks?
4: Yes. And he, I, listen, it's it's. I'm I'm exaggerating saying we put him on the map, but he followed. Like he was one. There were four people camped out in front of Ramondo's house. He was one of them because yeah. he was <laughs> like, "This is awesome." Professional athlete is opening himself up to this. He he tracked. He, he would give like. Live hour and I have the live blog open live right button. now.
3: Remember the yes. old uh the old hashtag Kyle make it happen? This sounds yeah. like one of those.
4: Yeah, oh, it yeah. was. Yeah. I mean this is all this is all and Kyle being the one taking it to Nick and selling it is was everything. I mean look yeah. how yeah. many things could we put on Kyle Sheldon as the reason the passion is there for the fan base is because of what Kyle did behind the scenes to push the club to people who, who were open to it and receptive to it.
3: Yeah. Totally. Totally, man. I think I think the other thing too is I mean, you said you couldn't do that again now, but it's like the accessibility, right, of the players. Maybe the MLS players not as accessible now, but I just think that that front office was so accessible back in the day, you know. And I, I don't know if it's the same now.
4: I mean, it, well, it, when it you're was the a... number two, when you're the number two franchise in the in the city, you don't have to do those things anymore. You know, guys. Am I right? Right. 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 <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was also, like, that was also a group of players that were into that. Like, uh, how many guys at any time are going to do, like, Nick Nick Romano's like, yeah, sure, I'll let some people hunt me with water guns. Right, um, right. Most players would be like, I don't, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, I've got other things to do. Um,
4: <laughs> that team, but, that uh, team was, was, was that. really, I mean, because they, ha- I mean, Bobby was on that team. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, nameoff was always down for uh, something fun and to do something. I don't was, um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull a name out of here, but not to step on the second segment. So I won't do the name that I want to pull out, but um, was Tiago Martins on that team?
2: Yeah, he was around. I, I don't know if he was on the year maybe having
4: an ACL injury at yeah, some point. Yeah. I
2: don't, I don't know if he was there the year of water wars, but he was there in that with that group, that general group that while group. they
4: were in place. Yeah. He was always up for fun.
0: It was just, it was a fun <laughs> team. I mean, I still remember it was a few years later, but when Aleko Eskandarian retired, they did the video about him interning in the front office, um, which was also silly fun um, and just out
4: there. Yeah, it was a good, good front office. (laughs) Thanks for blowing me out. Let's get back (laughs) to two things we like.
0: Let's, let's go with our favorite center backs. Last week we talked about uh, some of our favorite goalkeepers. Um, we had to split it into two divisions, the Bill Hamid division and the everyone else division. Um, I think I think we'll be able to do center backs with just one grouping. We don't need to to say we're going to talk about lots of people, but this is the guy we all actually mean. So, uh, Jason, you, you got to go last last time. So let's Well,
4: hang on. Did anybody did anybody drop Creighton? We talked I, about
2: Creighton. I don't, I don't think he was anyone's start. favorite, but What's... we did discuss him. All right, whatever. It's a trash list, but go ahead. <laughs> right. Do you remember you're that season? Philly, your favorite yeah, jersey. You described as trash.
0: <laughs> you have a brand, Roach. We know this. <laughs> Jason, favorite center backs.
2: Uh, all right. I could. I could. I mean, there's a way that people listening are probably assuming I'm going to go. And you're right, but I don't want to spoil it because I'm first and there's four other people with opinions. Um so I'm going to talk about uh Ryan Nelson. Um because the early years the 90s it was everything was going really well but then DC in 2000 fell off a cliff. They were very bad in 2000. They were bad like they lost the first game of the season 4-1 at home. Um it was that kind of year. Um 2001 was bad, 2002 was worse, 2003 was worse. Um, but Ryan Nelson got drafted in 2003 and it was the first player that had arrived in a while where it was like, all right, maybe this is a team that's finally going to start to get a little better. Like this is this is a player we can maybe have some hope behind. Um, which was tough for me. He scored a goal in College Cup to knock Maryland out. He was playing for Stanford. Uh he st- like an overtime game winner. So I was very against that sort of activity, um and still am. Um but he came aboard, he showed some promise that first year as a rookie and I was like, all right, Maybe we've got something to hope for here. And then in 2004, he was brilliant. The team won MLS Cup. Um, it was, it was, you know, it kind of restored my faith that, that uh, it didn't just, there didn't just have to be one period of good times and it was just going to be bad forever uh, as a fan, um, which is where I was starting to think because when I was, you know, this is 2004, I was 22 years old. Uh, four bad seasons is like a significant chunk of my lifetime at that point. So it's hard to think that it could get better and it probably will just because that's how sports work. Um, But yeah, Ryan Nelson was awesome that year. Um, And so uh, I've always had a a soft spot for him. I mean, he was also just excellent, but um, he came around. He was the right man at the right time. I guess he, he shored up a team that was uh, playing a wild, um, you know, Peter Novak's way of playing was he was playing three, four, one, two, and his wingbacks were more wingers than wingbacks. Um, it was wild. And uh, the, the job he had was so tough um, because it was oftentimes the team was going to attack with seven and defend with three. Um, and he, they,
4: he came through. Can I ask, can I ask you a question about Ryan? Uh, yeah. Of course. yeah. Uh, first, I'm going to give a Sebi hot take. You know, in a lot of ways, he was the, he was Miguel Almirón before Miguel Almirón. In, <laughs> in that, he was uh, he went to the Premier League and mm-hmm. and became a, a very important figure for for Blackburn Rovers. He did like, uh, like he, like, he you know, went on a
2: free transfer.
4: Yeah, well, um, all right, well, that's the DC <laughs> United <laughs> way, Jason. We didn't yeah. cash it. <laughs> no, um, uh, uh, my question, my question is, do yeah. you did you when you watched him for DC United, was mm-hmm. there anything in your head that you thought you thought to yourself, you know what, this guy's going to be a, a foundational rock piece for a Premier League club in the next three years?
2: It, it didn't really cross my mind until the rumors started that he might be leaving. Um, and I think it was even during the playoffs where it was sort of like, uh, he's probably going to leave because it, it was sort of like, it was the same timeline as when Hamid left for Denmark, where it was like, the team had made their offer, like they had done the best they could, and he hadn't signed off on it. And it was like, well, that's bad. That's a bad sign. Um, And so I I will say that um, the only conversation I've ever had with Ryan Nelson was at the 2004, uh, after they won MLS Cup, they came to RFK, they did a celebration. And after that ended, it was just sort of like the players all left the stage and were just like in the crowd of fans. And, you know, everyone's trying to get Jaime Moreno, everyone's trying to get a Leco and Nelson saw his chances just sort of snake out. And I saw my chance to talk to anyone that was on the team. <laughs> and so I sort of like got my angle, right. And I got sort of in his path and I just, I, you know, thanked him for everything. And I was like, uh, good luck. Cause I know you're not sticking around. Um, like, well, we'll see. And I was like, good luck in England where you're going. <laughs> um, so it was only really late in the season where it was like, you know, if, if, a team in England thinks that he's good enough Then maybe he is. But it was one of those years where I wasn't, you know, I kind of got the tunnel vision. I was thinking purely about like this team could win something this year after being so bad. So it's kind of like the rest of the rest of the world has soccer, I'm sure, but I'm not going to think about it right now um, until this season ends. So, yeah, that it was kind of a, I have to admit, I didn't, didn't necessarily see it working to the extent that it did, but um, you know, he was a, he was really determined to make the most of who he was as a player. And that, you know, that goes a long way. You can't just be good. You have to actually be like extremely, like almost pathologically determined to do the the best that you can be, unless you're like Carlos Vela. Um, And then, you know, (laughs) this is how, you know, things turn out that you can be extravagantly talented and it's fine. Um, But yeah. Are you saying Ryan uh, Nelson
3: is not extravagantly talented like Carlos Vela? Different, different levels of the left foot.
2: That's
3: a yeah, hot Just take. a little, just a little. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love Ryan Nelson, man. For me, that was always like, um, and and I think maybe we're we felt it a little bit last year with like the Lucho fiasco, a connection to the rest of the world. As like a DC United fan, you may have had it through other fandoms, but um, when Nelson ended up not just going to the Premier League, because I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I was watching Blackburn every weekend for Ryan Nelson, but. Um, it was a player that you could immediately be like, Hey, that was a guy who I saw at DC United clearly has like worked his way up. And then even at the world cup in 2010, um, with New Zealand where he was like the captain, I, I, I as a DC United fan took some weird pride in seeing him, um, seeing him there do that. And then I also think like, one of the things I always remembered about, um, about Nelson, like funny enough is in his resume before, like he played Division three soccer. He went to some Division three college in like Greens, somewhere in, somewhere in, I think in the Carolinas, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually like in 2004, I was like finishing up my Division three NCAA soccer career. So like anybody with any link to NCAA Division three that was in <laughs> MLS and there was like a few guys, um, you would, you just like, you were like, oh, and then it's, so you know, a few, many years later to see one of those guys, not just, uh, you know, obviously, like carve out a career, but then, like, you know, end up end up in the Premier League or in a World Cup. Um, I, I always like—I don't know—I always felt that connection, a, conne- a super connection to Nelson. Even maybe wasn't like my favorite or the best; certainly not the best. Um, he he, he very much for me like was definitely like a, a guy that I always always enjoyed following and and definitely linked back to it, like a DC United player.
4: Was uh was was Nelson before or after Convey?
2: After slightly after? after?
4: Yeah, slightly yeah, because
3: Conbi was like my age. I think he was a little bit older. So he would have been in with DC United in like oh one, oh two. Yeah. 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 And you know, right uh, after Santino, because Santino was first, then Bobby, right? Yep. Um,
4: hey guys, uh fil- filibuster guys, uh, you might want to write this down next week's topic. Um your favorite DC United free transfer that they could have gotten. <laughs> no. in- you, you just you just go spitball. That's for next week. Don't worry about it. I won't be here,
0: but you can start thinking about that. We'll we'll take that one for free. Roach, uh, who is your trash pick as your favorite center back?
4: Well, uh, first of all, not a trash pick. Um <laughs> I I'm gonna tell you, I thought Facundo urban was gonna be fantastic. Because that guy was so friggin' athletic. But Even Richie you were very- Richie <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 he's not my pick, but I did want to shout out uh, Facundo Irpin. Um, hey, and not, with, not for nothing. Wait. He's carved out a long career. Yeah, I mean, saying, he's man, like, he's a very
3: is, useful piece. Yeah, yeah. He's had good runs all over the world.
2: So
4: we so. gave him a chance to settle in. That's all.
2: Roach, before you go on, at, at what point with Erpin going doing his like distinctive two footed tackle that somehow <laughs> never got a red card. Wait, how many of those happened before you were like, maybe this isn't the guy?
4: What are you <laughs> talking about? It was Jordan Rules. He never got a red card. <laughs> <laughs> there must have been some kind of referee meeting. He gets the two-footed tackle. Don't worry, he's fine. Don't worry. You know, maybe David Beckham learned to tackle by studying Fakundo <laughs> Uh And I also I don't want to step in on the Gonzalos because I know one of you guys are going to pick the Gonzalos. That was an awesome center back pairing. Um, but my guy. <laughs> All due respect to Bobby, but my guy's Mike Petke. I I, I was a big Mike Petke fan. Um, it was he was he was Felipe Martins before Felipe Martins, where you freaking hated the guy, and he came here and and he took the the supporters' number, and he just went out and and earned your your love of him by just putting in a shift. And being hard-nosed, it's funny. Uh, Jason said, Ryan Nelson, I, I'm taking his center back partner for, for a lot of the, the tenure and going Mike Pecky. I, I'm just a big Pecky fan. And he was, he's a, he was a bunch of fun as well to go back to that 0-6 team. But he, he's, he was a really down-to-earth guy as well as most center backs are. I know it's not cool to like Mike Pecky these days, but uh, I'm talking about from back in the day, Mike Pecky.
3: I'll jump on that bandwagon. Awesome interview, like out in the field as a as a reporter. When we get we get to talk to these coaches like before games, Petke's as good as it gets, man. I you know, obvi- obviously he's he's in a different place now, but man, I I as a media member, I got a lot of time for Mike Petkey. I, MLS could use a lot more Mike Petkeys. Exactly. Pass
0: him out, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> uh I actually I don't think either of these guys is my my actual favorite, but they I have fond memories of, limited memories of both Dan Yakovich and Julius James. I think because they were both relatively early in my diehard fandom, but Decky in particular, when he was good, when he had someone on the field who could do all the thinking for him and he could just play, didn't have to think about where he was, he was told where to go, he could... T- like, run a guy down from behind and take the ball off him without leaving his feet. And it was, it was this magical thing. And then he would carry it into the midfield like a crazy person and lose it. And, you know, the team, the other team would come back and score. But for Adam, just like why you sheer.
4: Going, why, are you going, why are you going past tense? My man is still, he's still in the league.
0: <laughs> That's true. He's, he's out in LA now, um, playing starting, in the Concacaf Champions
4: League. Starting. You should say starting in the Concacaf Champions League. It's true.
0: It's true. And then, Julius James is the other one. He, I, I only have one really clear memory of Julius James, and that is the last game of the 2009 season when he came seconds away from being a DC United hero. Uh, United needed a result to to get into the postseason, and this was at the Community America Ballpark, the tiny little field on a minor league baseball stadium that Kansas City, still the Wizards at the time, were playing on, and he gets hurt after... DC United used all their subs. And so he just goes up and plays forward with one leg. And he's hopping out there on one leg. And still, there's like a scrum in the box. The ball pops up and he manages to out jump everyone and heads it in uh, for, I think, his only goal f- as the DC United player. And uh, at that point, DC United are in the postseason, as long as they don't give up a goal. Uh, eventually, we get into extra time and uh, there's an empty net and Fred does the smart thing and chicken wings the ball to block it on the goal line, but gets caught. Kansas City converts the penalty to to book, I think book their own ticket into the postseason. DC United didn't make it as a result. But for those few glorious seconds, like three <laughs> minutes, maybe Julius James was a hero and uh, very nearly a legend, uh, but, but it's not going to be, it never, it, it wasn't meant to be, but just that short little period where he was just an amazing I
3: feel like that's that you said about so many of these center backs they were yeah. Close, yeah. close to being a legend but it wasn't
2: yeah to be. that yep. that game by the way like we need to if there's a game for us to do uh more focus on that specific game was absolute insanity yes um you're not even getting to the fact that uh dc down to 10 Rodney Wallace hit the post with like the last kick of the game um that that almost then put them back in this was also when Brad Evans kept scoring the goal that officially ended DC's playoff hopes um <laughs> uh he did that like 3 years in a row um yeah that game is maybe the uh, and i'm saying this with like Griffin Yao on Twitter mentioned his uh first RFK experience cuz he's a very young man it was that 6-4 uh game yes uh, from a Taylor camp
3: golazo taylor Kemp, half yeah. volley rsl but, but,
2: But Griffin is so young that for him, that's his first, uh, his first RFK memory is a game that for us is like, oh, that was only like last year, right? (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I just, uh, that game, that 2009 season finale, absolute, uh, Claudio Lopez playing for Kansas City, that game was nonsense.
0: It was bonkers. Ben. Um, We're probably going to go back around because there are some names that we got to talk about that that haven't been mentioned yet. I think the most obvious one is still out there, but feel free to claim it.
1: Sure, this is definitely not my guy, but I want to just mention uh, a Urpin-esque player. Uh, I mean, not really. He was the opposite in terms of athletic ability. Uh, But in 2010, uh, my first season, really paying attention to DC United, they signed a 37-year-old Juan Manuel Pena. <laughs> and just his nickname was already the mummy. And just the whole that that was just so portentous of the terrible season that was about to come. And I just love every minute of his like half season of playing, getting injured, and then never. He doing was so good again. in that
0: one preseason game they won
2: in Mexico. He was so good in that one. So he was like a yeah. Bolivian international with like a hundred caps. It's yeah. just that he also was like he was 37. I'm 37. I know, you know, I, I've got an idea of what, what that must have been like. Uh, your body begins falling apart.
1: But um, my real answer is uh, Bobby Boswell. Um, the, the, the first go around Bobby Boswell with uh, the, the uh, social media presence before social media existed, the website, uh, all of it. And then coming back, becoming the elder statesman to help solidify uh dc united teams of the mid 2010s uh he was just a a great player a fun player helped helped those teams uh become excellent two supporter shields uh and then came back and helped get dc united back in the playoffs after an awful 2013 uh yeah even even if he still has me blocked on twitter i I will still pick uh bobby (laughs) boswell
4: He's a, he's, he's, he's the real one, man. Like that's, that's what I love about that guy is he is exactly every interview that golf has done and all of those off the wall stories and exactly who he is on the field. Like that's exactly who he is. It's not playing a role. It's he's, he's, he's just the realest guy you'll ever meet. And he's, he's just a really good guy. And he took not a lot of talent and he'll tell you that. And turned it into look. I'm I'm obviously biased, so I'm waiting for Sebi to punch a couple of holes in this. But <laughs> I mean, one of the better defenders in MLS history. I'm I'm just gonna say it. As far as success of his teams, he went from yeah. a successful DC United team to a Houston team, and they immediately became MLS Cup finalists, perennial finalists every year. He came back here and lifted a team that was crap into at least mediocrity, at the very least. And they had no business being that good. And look, did he? was he the driving force behind all that? No. But it's not a coincidence that teams elevated when he got to their, to their club.
3: Do you want to know what Bobby Boswell was definitely a driving force behind? Yes. Yes. Bill Hamid winning goalkeeper of the year.
4: <laughs> mm. Gave so. him a lot
3: of work. Gave him a lot of work. <laughs> <I'm> like,
4: <laughs> <laughs> there it is. All right. And it's funny because because Sebi Sebi and you know, I'll probably give him a little more credit than he than he than I, I was about to give him, but you, you kind of were with him for the entire run. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you weren't used to when you were Bobby Boswell, you know. Stalker is what he was. He was a stalker. Yeah.
3: I mean, no, really, <laughs> really I left I went to I went to Houston in 13 and 14. So I was there. I mean at the end of 12. So I was there his last year in Houston was 13. And I got to be honest man when he left Houston I thought he was like done. His last um, year in Houston was not good. Um I was really really surprised with with what he got out of the last few years in DC. Um and I think if you watch the tape you can criticize it but I I I would have thought that at the end of 2013 like there was not going to be a lot of work left for him in major league soccer and uh there was obviously, you know, plenty. I, I won't take shots at Bobby. What I would say is this, though. Like, we mentioned a lot of the guys from that group. I, I always think of DC United as, like, late 90s to early to, like, 99, really, 2000. That that group. Because that's who, like, drew me to the team. But I think, actually, the, the fun group, the a little bit more fun group, the Ramon, like, at 04 through 07, where they were winning slash... Um, Winning a trophies, but be like fun to watch too. In moments um, with Gomez, but but really like like the more fun bunch, the young guys, Aleko and um, and that and Bobby and those personalities. I think there's a huge generation of DC United fans that fell in love with that team, even though the they didn't win as they didn't win as many uh, titles or games. Like there was a huge group of people that maybe had like moved to the city in the early 2000s that missed the first wave. And that mm-hmm. team, and I'll give Bobby a big credit because he was, his personality was a big part of that. Um, that team is a, is like a huge part of the, of the, those, those folks who who you would consider DC United lifers. They didn't all come with Marco and, and, and Diazarse say, and, and Jaime back in the day, a lot of it was that like middle odds team.
0: Yeah. I'm absolutely Ooh. one of the people that came like, kind of at the tail end of that run and, a lot of those names are are who I think of. And uh, I just want to shout out Bobby's current project. Uh, he, he's hosting a podcast for the MLS Players Union, um, which you guys should... If you're listening to this, you'll probably get something out of that and find it enjoyable. So go listen to that. Um, the name we haven't mentioned yet is Eddie Pope, who scored... Yeah.
2: I, I was going to say Eddie Pope, but since I went first, I was like I should not say Eddie Pope. Someone will say Eddie Pope.
4: Sebby hasn't oh. gone yet. Maybe he stepped on all Sebby's oh, oh. toes. He, he
2: I have three, down on yeah, uh, to nothing.
4: I, not I,
3: I have three names written down: um, Eddie Pope, one, and just he's in his category by himself. Brian Nelson and Emiliano Dudar.
4: Okay, <laughs> love Dudar. Sorry. What? What was yeah. that third one?
3: Emiliano Dudar, you the <laughs> yeah. dude. I think his. I think my hair is approaching Dudar. Yeah. Hang. Well, you guys got your weird choices. You want to watch Dayon Yakovich be a, a calamity at the back, so I don't get to. I don't get to pick Dudar. Dude, no,
1: I do, love Dudar, Dudar was my. Dudar was yeah. my other, other uh, fanciful pick, but I, yeah, yeah, just like an those.
3: interesting character who was part of like a magical run. Let's not forget, yep. like mm-hmm. so. Yeah, you know, with a with a crazy backstory, that guy that guy was cool. I, I I always enjoyed interviews with him, and just thought like, man, if he if there would have been another year or two, you know, or if, you know, in a different mm-hmm. situation, that guy could have been, um, you know, a legend because he was coming off some really good, a really bad injury, but some really good years before that. I mm-hmm. think he was mm-hmm. in his moment a decent player, but yeah, not not on the level of a Nelson or like. Just you know, as like you're one guy who you want to you want to name a name you haven't named in a while. There's my <laughs> do uh,
4: Can I can I throw a question out? Because I, I as I said in the beginning of the podcast, I wasn't here for the Eddie Pope years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw him on the national team, and you know, you think to yourself as and we. I think a lot of us come into soccer as as Euro snobs or, or South American snobs or Mexican snobs. In the case of Sebi, so you kind of. <laughs> Your first impression of American soccer is probably to crap on it a little, little bit. So like, I thought to myself, oh, I'm watching this guy play for the national team, but it's the U.S. national team. And everybody would always say that guy could have gone to Europe at any point that he wanted to and, and been a star or whatever. So to the people who saw Eddie Pope play for D.C. United, what made him so special as a defender?
2: Uh, I mean first of all that I will say that there were like persistent rumors that he was going to go to Europe. It was like oh, it was a yearly, year. Yeah, it was like a yearly terror that like like oh PSG is going to bring in Eddie Pope. Of course it's P- it was PSG. I'm not like pulling a a European team that has tormented us uh with transfer <laughs> rumors. That that was like a, a there was like a year of that rumor going around every single game at lot eight. Um but what what made Pope had everything that you would want in a center back was the thing. Like he was extremely fast. He was extremely good in the air. He always got his angles right. He always got the the body shape. the 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 approach he had to the ball was always good. Um, and it it really only took him a few weeks as a rookie to sort of um adapt to the you know at UNC he was probably one of the most talented players with the ball as well um and then he comes to mls and it's not the case anymore took him a couple weeks to adapt to the fact that it was like you know i i think he said on um one of the recent there's been so many podcasts looking back on the first year uh lately but on one of them he was mentioning that um you know bruce arena took him aside and it's like win the ball and give it to marco um (laughs) and he got really good at that like it sounds like such a simple thing but um uh, a friend of mine actually played with Jeff Lorenowitz and he got told the exact same thing uh, as a rookie by Steve Nichol. He said, win the ball, give it to Ralston. Um, and that was it. And he got yelled at if he didn't do that. And it was kind of the same vibe um, here. It was just uh, do the defending and then let Marco do his thing. Um, but yeah, he he just, all of the all of the fundamental stuff, he didn't give the ball away. His passing was, it was always the smart choice. There uh, There weren't a lot of like, he wasn't trying to force things. He wasn't necessarily breaking lines with his passing, but that was fine because you know '90s soccer was a different thing. Like people weren't looking for a center back. That if, if you're a center back trying to break lines in 1997, people were like, "What are you doing? What are you crazy?" Um, so he didn't do that. He just uh, he just got everything right. And any time DC needed a goal, it seemed like you know the '96 final, the 90, 1998 uh, Champions Cup, Concacaf Champions Cup. Uh, the Inter-American Cup, he scored in all of those in a final, um, which is unreal for a center back. Like a forward with that record would be uh, a club legend, and this is a center back. Um, so yeah, he he just, he had it all. Um, and it was always like un unhurried, un, like he was never frantic. It was always... Polished and composed, everything was just. It seemed like the game was just very easy for Eddie Pope, which uh in '90s MLS you didn't see a lot of guys who made soccer look easy. Everyone was making soccer look very hard, and he was like, "No, this is guys. This is not that difficult. What's the problem?"
0: Well said, Sebi. You watched him too.
3: Yeah, I think you know. For me, the thing about Eddie Pope is there just weren't many mistakes. Like in MLS, you don't see a lot of center backs that don't make mistakes. Even the veterans have like lost so many steps that even if the brain is there, like the mistakes are still there in their feet. Um, I I just like don't remember Eddie Pope messing up. And then on top of that, you know, not to take anything away from um, his ability to read a game or anything, but he was very like physically dominant with speed and -hmm. his ability to jump. I remember just being like, wow, this dude is really tall, but but can also, like, jump over the heads of the other tall guys. And I, you know, as, as like, a kid, and, like, I, I was a little kid, so I was still little, like, I just remember feeling like there was never a ball into the D.C. United penalty area that was, like, a threat. And uh, I don't know that there's a lot of defenders that give you that kind of confidence. You're like, oh, it'll just find that dude's head. And then, yeah, and then the goals. The, the goals, because you know, what's DC United without like the, what it, what are they f- without '96 MLS Cup? Like, what are our memories? For me, even beyond '96 MLS Cup, it's that that game against the the Vasco da Gama, the the Inter American mm-hmm. Cup. That to me was like some level of uh, a rival for DC United, and and his goal there was like, oh, DC United is legit now, like mm-hmm. they're, they're, that's real. Um, so yeah, I think, I think without his contributions, like the way we feel about this team, the clubs, his like d- direct contributions, like real big goals, the, 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 way we look at DC United may be totally different. So, I mean, like not just because he was the best, um, as a player, which I don't think is up for doubt, but because of like the significance of his actions, um, uh, dude, I, there's just nobody else on, there's nobody on else on the list that's close to it. But yeah, if you look at his resume, it is kind of weird. It is kind of weird that he never made it to Europe. Cause you, mm-hmm. you think, um, you think there would have been a, would have been a spot for him somewhere in there. And, and he certainly had run with the national team, you know, yeah. like he was in the national team for,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, there are some, there are uh, at, at, in Atlanta, especially there's a ton of um, people who would love to claim that Michael Parkhurst is the best MLS defender of all time. Those people did not see Eddie Pope, is my opinion of their no, opinion. No, no. That's uh,
3: that's, the, that's like, I'm, I mean, Ferraris and Fiats. That's
0: right.
2: That's yeah. <laughs> oh,
3: no.
0: Please. And on that Zlatan quote, I, I think uh, we're going to— Hang
4: on. Hold on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're not calling it a night.
4: You're doing a whole center back conversation, and you're not going to at least talk about Birnbaum for 30 seconds? Okay. All right. Well throw, I mean, we'll throw I, some listen, more names I out. know he's not on I know he's not on our list, but I mean come on. The guy the guy is well on his way. Well, to- right, let me ask you this. Let me
3: ask you is he above anybody that we've mentioned? Like any other of the, of the real James.
4: <laughs>
3: Pope, Nelson, Petke, you put him above any of those guys?
4: He's 29 years old. I'm we're probably looking at another three, four seasons. To, 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 to pad his resume for whatever it is that you think is important for a, a great, an all-time D.C. United center back.
3: You know what Which I again, judge a center back on? How the team did. Yeah. So uh, for me, guys that won as center backs will always be in a class ahead of guys that didn't win.
4: So then let me ask you this. What does Birnbaum have to do to get on this list? short of United winning something?
3: Uh, become a lot better player and get into the national team and prove to me in that set. I mean, like, I, you know, I think Burnbaum's a, you know, I've always, he's a fine, serviceable center back. But, but you know, and yes, in in the, in the list of all-time greats, he'll, he'll be like a top five or like an edge edge of that list. But he, you know, there's a difference between like very good and great. And I don't know that Burnbaum, even when he edged up against the national League team pool, what, three, four years ago, you know, and, in that. a January camp, 16 Five or six 16, years ago. Yeah, it's 2016, I think, or 15, whatever. Um, like, I, yeah, I just I, all I right, put I'll, him in that I'll,
4: category. I, all right, I'll, I'll make but, a case for him for a yeah. second. Because, first of all, he did make the national team where they, where they then, and I believe it was Klinsman, said, you're right back. So, I mean, look, that that, that kind of hurts when you go into the national team and then you're put into a position that I, I've never seen him in. And then right after that is when he had the, the string of concussions that knocked him out of national team convent, uh, conversation. Am, am I saying he should be on the national team now? No. But I'm also saying some forces outside of his control led to his exile from the team, national it, team, that
3: is. Is he anywhere near the best center back in the league?
4: What, how deep does the, does the, does that list go? Do you want to, is no, he a I mean, it's it yes or no, yes or no? It, Come on. What I'm saying, is he a top 10 center back? I, I, he's in a conversation. Is he top five? No. So, how deep does your number go?
3: Yeah. If you say he's top 10, I'll, I'll let that's your opinion. I, you know, I don't boys, know, man. I don't know.
4: Boy,
0: <laughs> no, I, I like Burn a lot. I have his jersey. Um, I I think that if he had been able to score the way he did in college, granted he took penalty kicks in college at Cal. Um, but he just, he was able to win, not just the defensive headers and the, the set piece headers to set up a second ball. He was able to put the ball in the net a lot. And if he'd been able to keep up anything like that rate, I think he would be much closer to legend status for DC United because everyone loves a center back who can score. Um, the world over uh, especially in english influenced leagues like mls still is um and he's been around at this point for a really long time i think it's just i think some of it is the the ghosts of the past are always going to loom large especially when you're not as sebi said when you're on a team that's not winning trophies on the regular there are players who came before who did that and in, unless DC United can get it turned around while well, while well, Burnbaum is still around, I think he's he's always going to fall short of some of these names
2: for a lot uh, of people. Because because that, that gets at the we're talking about favorites, um, mm-hmm. and and favorites ultimately you kind of you kind of have to win something for the most part. I mean, if especially at a team like DC where the trophy case comes up so often, um, if this were favorites for the Revs or the Rapids, um, he's probably one of the first people on the list, but, um, you know, some of it is bad timing. You know, he's been on some bad DC United teams or some teams that were, you know, able to, you know, do well enough to get into the playoffs, but not well enough to do anything when they got there. Um, so that's some of it is, is, you know, these, the favorites are going to be the guys that have those like lifetime moments. You know, it's, it's tough, but that's kind of the way it is. That's how favorites and club legends get made. Is um, you eventually got to lift a trophy, um, and and the Open Cup was now seven years ago. So it's uh it's tough. It, it's tough to be a good player uh, on an average or even a good but not great team. It, it's you know like Sebi said, getting over that line is is that's kind of what makes you a favorite. Is getting over that line. It's so tough to get there.
3: What's up, Roach? You registered as Birnbaum's agent or what?
4: Now and, and look and, and this here's here's what I here's my point. It's very rare that a soccer player gets a run on a team for as long as Birnbaum has been on DC United. So look, I, I'm not saying that he should have been on anybody's list. He wasn't on my list. If I if I really wanted him on my list, I I would have mentioned, "Hey, that's my guy. That's my favorite player." But he's been on the team for seven, eight years now. And that's that's got to mean something in a in a club that's only 25 years old and in a sport where bouncing around is is kind of par for the course. The guys had a run on this team. And so I thought and by the way, this is what we just talked about is absolutely fine. I just thought his name needed to be thrown out. So no, you're right. I got a
0: little eager to, to to close the book on the conversation. I actually have his name written down. Uh, other name. The other name I have written down that we haven't mentioned is Jeff Agus, uh, who was around in the early years. Yeah. The uh, one and- point
3: I'll give you, the one point I'll give you um, is that Roach is that you're right when you say if he's he's only 29, it, we're we're judging the rest of these guys on their full careers. If you're going to add four more years, and he's going to be an 11 year DC United player, maybe I look at Burnbaum differently than I look at him now through six or seven mostly solid but not overwhelming years. If you give me 11 of those years. Maybe he does cross the threshold, um, and and you're right. I mean, at his age and this position, three or four more years isn't isn't inconceivable.
0: No, I, I actually now want to I want to look up where he ranks in the all time starts among center backs. He might be at, at the top of the list even at this for point. DC for, centerbacks. for DC United center backs for DC United center backs. Yeah, because um, he's been around for so long and he's been been so consistent week in and week out.
4: So. I have I always had Agus as an outside back. Am I am I misremembering with, with the national team?
3: Yeah, okay. both right. but yeah, depended yeah. on the team.
4: So it yeah. was Pope and Agus as your center back pairing for United most matches in and the start of the, the franchise? Yeah, yeah. Um and Talks then up. um
2: and then they <laughs> signed they signed Carlos Yamosa, uh, and he had been like legitimately had been like a semi pro guy with a job as a janitor. Um because in the 90s in MLS, that's where guys were coming from. Um, so they signed him, and he ended up being, once he got nationalized, he ended up being national team caliber. And uh, that I think that year, Agus played some left back, um, but it was because it wasn't so much that he was better as a left back. It was just like they wanted to play four in the back, and they had three national team caliber center backs, so one of them had to move wide. Um, but yeah, that was that, loaded. Yeah,
4: that it was team, unreal. That, that team could compete. In in today's MLS. I'm not saying they would have won everything. That team could have competed.
3: A lot of those old school teams would like not just DC United, the LA galaxies of like early two thousands. Herc just did an interview with DeMarcus Beasley talking about that Chicago fire team, late nineties, early two thousands. If you, those, those three teams, DC United, Chicago, and LA of that era. If you look at their starting 11s, I bet you would not just compete would beat a lot of MLS teams today. Cause those 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 teams, those elevens were eleven deep international players. Yeah. There were no like there were no now you you look into a lineup and you'll be like, who is this guy? I gotta, you know, you gotta go deep into Wikipedia to find out who these guys are. On those teams in that in that era, all those dudes were, I mean, not household names, but for MLS, like, oh yeah, that guy yeah. plays for Poland, like this guy plays for that, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, every the start, if you were not an international player, if you were not like on your national team. You're, you're getting run on the big teams in MLS.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the early 90 or the, the early years of MLS, it was kind of like the contracts were all such a, it was ridiculous in that there was no structure to anything. And so the teams that were well-run were the teams that were like, okay, there aren't really any rules. So let's just sign anyone that we can. That's good. And we'll, we'll figure it out from there. And the league was like, I guess you've just got a bunch of great players. Good job. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, you could assemble like Kevin Payne got it right early, assemble uh, an all star team, Um, assemble the best team you possibly can and don't worry about MLS's rules and the Galaxy were doing that. And and then Chicago came in with, you know, two years of observing the rest of the league and saying like, oh, we can do that. We can go get a bunch of guys that, uh, you know, are on their various, you you know, Eastern European national teams for the with Chicago. That was mostly where they went. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't have to have a team that's like five or six college draft picks. Um, it doesn't have to be that way if we don't want it to be. Um, and that is, that is why those teams, like, it's funny how MLS didn't, it wasn't a straight up progression. It was really, really, you know, the first year there were a lot of really talented players and then those players either like their pay grade went up and they left the league or they got too old and they just couldn't do it anymore. And so that early 2000s period, the league really got bad um, mm-hmm. from a talent perspective uh, because all that that initial burst of quality either aged out or priced out. And all of a sudden you just had what was left and, and it got rough. There's a reason the league almost died um, and it wasn't just finances. It was also that the soccer just wasn't it was tough. It was, I mean, I was still going, but it was it was rough. I, I don't know how else to put it.
0: Well, that's a somewhat less fun note to end <laughs> the episode on yes, but downer ending. You go to war with the endings you have, not the endings you want. Thank you all for, for listening. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. If you're able and inclined, you know, do that after you support your local community and your neighbors through, through this hard time. Uh, Mutual Aid Societies or where it's at. Uh, find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, next time you're on a Zoom call talking to some soccer fans, mention the show. That's, the, that's about the nicest thing you can do for us. For Jason and Ben, thanking Sebi and Roach one more time. I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason.
2: Delo Hansen just sell one of your coins and then keep all your employees that's it it's, it's easy